This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. I'd like to join in in welcoming everybody here this morning. I appreciate that you could be with us. I'd especially like to welcome our visitors. I know we've got several of you, and I'm glad that you could be with us. I hope you can come back with us each and every time you can. And I know we got several in our crowd that's missing today, and uh, just for diff- different reasons, either traveling or health-related or, or whatever the cause may be. And uh, if you're like me, you can feel it. You can feel it when members of our congregation aren't here, and, and I want you to think about that when, when you can't be here for whatever reason, and we feel that too. Um, so let's keep those in our prayers, and, and hopefully they can meet back with us each time that they can. And, and I, I'd like to thank the, uh, Miguel for the prayer on my behalf, and it's my prayer that the things we study will be in strict accordance to God's Word, and also it will be useful to you and beneficial as we all continue our Christian walk together. And for a little while this morning, I want to talk about the value of godly relationships that we have in the church. And as you can see just from these few pictures that I've got on the screen, just in the short amount of time that we've had this congregation together, we've been able to build some really amazing relationships in our lives. Some great friendships, great brothers and sisters, and a support system that we all have together. And I want to study a little bit about that this morning. And these godly relationships that we have, they're not only valuable for us right here and right now, They're also valuable for future generations, the kids that we have growing up and then their kids that they're going to have. All the future generations that's going to continue to come, these relationships we have now are going to be valuable for them forever. Um, And it's also valuable for the world, the outside world, that they see the light that comes from this congregation. They see the light, that the love and the support that we all have with one another. And we're going to study a little bit about that this morning. To begin, I'm going to look at Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at the day of Pentecost. And to kind of set this up a little bit, if you remember about the day of Pentecost, why they were there, this was going to be Jews from all over the different regions, from all these different areas, that they all come to Jerusalem once a year for the Pentecost feast. And they were there. It's estimated at that time that I, I saw some figures somewhere that uh, it's estimated about 1.4 million Jews came to Jerusalem at that time for the day of Pentecost. So you have people from all over the, the place. And this was the first time when Peter preached the gospel and he told them about Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, and they were pricked in their hearts. And then we we know that many of them believe the gospel. Um, So we're going to pick it up there at Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. Beginning in verse 44, it says, And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be, should be saved. When I read this, it, it just it amazes me to think about the very early Christians that we had, that they were from all these different places, and I would just venture to bet they didn't know each other. They really didn't know each other. When you think about all these Jews from all over the place, they're coming to Jerusalem. They really didn't have a relationship already. But this relationship that they did have was founded upon their belief and their faith in Christ. And that relationship changed their relationship forever. So when you think about all these people, it says that all that believed, that means all that believed in Christ and that they obeyed the gospel, they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods. So think about these people that traveled to Jerusalem 
And then they meet these new people, and now they're Christians, and now they have this new belief from the Jewish religion to the Christian religion, and that they're willing to just sell everything that they have and give to these so-called strangers that are now their brothers and sisters as every man had need. And they continued daily with each other. And they went from house to house so they, they could grow that relationship and they could foster that. They ate with each other. They showed hospitality to each other. And they had gladness and singleness of heart. That singleness of heart means that they were unified in their belief and in their faith, that they were together. It's amazing to me that this is how the church began. This was day one of the church. And this is the church that you and I are a part of today. It's the same relationships. That was 2,000 years ago. It's the same relationships that we have now. So what I want to look at for a little while is this relationships, all these that started 2,000 years ago, these Christian relationships we have is the same ones that we have today and how we can foster those relationships, how we can grow them, and how we can continue to help each other out. So as we go into it, I want to look at first... What actually is the church? And we know that the church is the universal body of Christians who've been baptized into Christ and continually live for Him. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what's going on, what your background is. The church is the body of Christians who've been baptized into Him and continue to walk in that faith. And as followers of Christ, it would be helpful for us as Christians to make sure that we view the church the same way that Christ views the church. And he views that church in two main things. <clears throat> the first off is he views it as his bride. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Then you look down in 25 through 27, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. We can see here the parallel that, that the Bible teaches us between the relationship of marriage, the husband and wife, and the relationship between Christ and the church. Christ looks at his church as his bride. He loves it and he cares for it. And as such, we should be looking at the church as we are his bride, and we should be taking care of it as well. He also looks at the church as his body. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 and 23 says, And hath put all things under his feet, talking about Christ, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Then you go over to Ephesians 5 and verse 29. It says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but he nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So the two main things that Christ looks at his church is he views it as his bride, which he loves, and he also views it as his body, which he nourishes it and he cares for it. So that's how Christ views us as his church, as his, his bride and his body. Christ also takes persecutions of his church personally, and we can see that um, from Paul. If you remember in Paul, he, he taught in Galatians, he said, For you've heard of my conversation in times past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So we can see that Paul, this was before he was converted, that he was one of the, the chief Jews at that time. He was going around, he was persecuting the Christian church. He was trying to wipe it out. He thought that was the right thing to do. He was involved in murders. He was throwing people in prison. That Paul was persecuting the church. Now we don't have any record before Paul was converted that he met Jesus himself. 
But Jesus looks at when Paul was persecuting his church, Jesus took that personally. We see that in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 4, when Paul did meet Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And Saul, which is Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. And he desired of him letters to Damascus, uh, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, talking about Christians, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? This is Jesus talking to Saul, and he's saying, why are you persecuting me? Now, when did Saul persecute Jesus himself? Well, when he was persecuting the church. Jesus takes it very personal. If you go against the church or you persecute the church in any way, he takes that very personally. So this is his view of the church. It's his bride, it's his body, and he takes it very personal, anybody who goes against it. And since that's Jesus' view of the church, that should be our view of the church as well. So your brothers and sisters you have, they are the bride of Christ, they are the body of Christ, and Christ will take it personally when you persecute your brothers and sisters. So we know, as being the body of Christ, we know that all of us have different roles to fulfill. We've read this several times, and we're going to do it again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's going to be 12 through 27. It's 1 Corinthians 12, beginning of verse 12. It says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not of the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. I know that was a lengthy reading. I think it was necessary for us to just remember that we all have different roles in this body of Christ. There's different things that we've been called to do, different talents God has blessed us with. And we need to remember that, that your brothers and sisters, they may have different talents than you, and those talents are absolutely necessary for the body to be able to work together. Even stuff that sometimes we may overlook or we may think is really small, is really necessary for the body to be able to flow and to be able to work as well as it can. And when you think about it, recently we've had some of our members who experienced some hard times, whether it's health-related, financially-related, loss of loved ones. 
There's just hard times in this life that all of us are going to experience. And when some of our members feel that, we can feel it as a congregation. We feel it this morning. There's some of our brothers and sisters that are not here, and we can feel that. We know that they're missing. And remember that when they are around you. That when they are here, remember what they bring to the table for the body. That they bring the warmth, the energy, they bring love. They bring certain talents that we can't fill without their needs. So remember that we have all of these needs work together for the body. And we realize that when people are not here anymore. We also realize that being in the body and being Christians, that it really doesn't matter what your life was like before you were Christian. When you're a Christian, you're a new man and you change that. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, it says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. What we need to realize is that our brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever their background was before they became a Christian, is gone. That person is dead. That person no longer exists. And they are now a brother and sister in Christ. And that relationship you can build with that brother and sister in Christ can change your life. And it can change your view of the church and how you can, you can move forward with it. I see a lot of times that people still try to mark differences. We try to mark differences whether it's an economic standpoint, age, social status, whatever someone's background is. And what the Bible tells us here in Galatians is none of that matters. That we are all in Christ. We're all one in Christ. So we have to make sure we're not forming these little cliques and we're not excluding anybody for whatever reason. That we're, we're breaking sure we're bringing everybody in. And it's really God is the one who qualifies and equips us in order to be in His kingdom. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. That word meet right there says God has made us meet to be partakers. That means to qualify or to equip. It's God who qualifies people to be in His kingdom, not anything we can do or not anything anybody else can do. God is the one who brings them into His kingdom. And it's our job to see that they're a brother and sister just like everybody else, that they've been into our kingdom. And what we need to realize is that if we're in the church today, it's because God qualified you to be in the church today. And if your brothers and sisters are in the church today, it's because God qualified them to be in the church and we need to love every member in the church just, just as so as God loves us. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother, whom he hath seen, how can he love God, whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. God knows that we love him when we show that love and we build those relationships with our brethren. And this is how we can say that we love God when we show that we love them. And the reality is that we live in a really tough world. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of things coming against us all the time. And the truth is that we really need each other. And sometimes we don't realize how much we really need each other until that pain hits us personally. Until the world comes and attacks you or whatever the case may be, then you realize how much you really need those brothers and sisters in your life. But it's got to start way before then. You've got to build those relationships way before that need just automatically shows up. If a relationship is built upon communication and time spent with each other. And that has to happen before all of these needs will hit. And they will hit. These needs are going to happen to you too. In the New Testament, we see 
over 33 times where it talks about one another. You can look up that phrase where it talks about one another. And that's going to say, like, love one another, comfort one another, forbear one another. That, that tells us that we should be actively doing things for each other. So here's a few of them that you can see. We're not going to read all of them, but we are going to touch on a few. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it tells us to beloved love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So we should love one another. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 18, it says, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So we should love one another and comfort each other. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. That word forbearing means to have patience with each other. We do realize that the relationships we're building are still relationships with humans. And humans mess up. We make mistakes. So we should have patience with each other when we make mistakes and be willing to forgive each other for those mistakes when they happen. It's not going to be perfect. The brothers and sisters and the relationships that you have in your life, they're going to fail you sometimes. And it's not by any intent. It's just going to happen. And when, when that happens, have patience with them and forgive them, and let's continue to build that relationship again. In Romans chapter 15, verse 7, it says, Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. When you look up that word receive, it's a Strong's word, 4355. That means to take to oneself. That is to use food, to lead aside, to admit to friendship or hospitality, to receive, to take unto. When you think about receiving one another, think about pulling each other in. And pull each other in, it gives us a couple good examples here to use food. Food is a great way to pull people in. Use hospitality and get people around you. It's a great way to do that. Admit to friendship or hospitality, to receive, to bring people into your life. So when people fail you and when hard times happen, one of the best ways you can do to improve that relationship, bring them in closer. Don't push them away. Let's bring them in. Let's talk about it. Let's run to those conversations that need to be had. Let's solve whatever issues we've got so we can move forward. So bring those people in closer. So here's just a few ways that we can see when the New Testament used the word one another. And there's a lot more. And I'd encourage you on your own time to go and continue to study that phrase. Go look in the New Testament. See everywhere it says and and uses that phrase one another. And that will show you really good things of what we need to do as Christians for our fellow brothers and sisters. So if you want to think about for a little bit how to grow these value, valuable relationships in our life. We, we know that they're valuable for us. We know they're valuable for future generations. We need each other in our life. So how do we grow and how do we actually foster that? Either how do we start a new relationship with new brothers and sisters or how do we strengthen the current relationships we have? Now I'm going to show three different things that the Bible teaches us that we should do to grow these relationships. Number one is hospitality. Have people inside your home. In Romans chapter 12, verse 12 and 13, it says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayers, and distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. Paul here is writing to the church at Rome, and he's given them some instruction of what they need to do as an early church of how to build those relationships. And he ends that with given to hospitality. That means you're full in. Given to hospitality means you're doing everything that you can to be hospitable to other people and to, to grow those relationships in your life. 
If you also look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, it says, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. So we need to use hospitality as a tool to foster and build those relationships that we have. And I heard it once said that the kitchen table can build a bond between people that no other place can build. And if you think about that, that's really true. I want you to think about people that you, maybe you've had an acquaintance with, maybe you knew, maybe here in this congregation you knew a little bit. How does your relationship change after you shared a meal together at your table? It changes. You learn more about each other when you share a meal. You get to know each other at a deeper level. You can see how people think. Maybe you learn a little bit more about their background and their programming and the way that they see the world and they see certain things. And it will cause you to have more empathy when they do things different than the way you do it because you know they're just a human struggling by just like we are. It changes. When you share a meal with someone at your kitchen table, you will learn more about each other. And remember, this is what the first century church did on the day of Pentecost. Remember, we read through Acts chapter 2. They came from all these different regions. Let's go back and look at that. In Acts 2 verse 46, it says, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, I want you to think about this for a little bit. All these people came from different regions. Not all of them lived in Jerusalem. So whose house did they go to? It says that they traveled and went from house to house. So that means some Christians there had to be willing to open up their house to other people. And it's that hospitality that they could eat together with gladness and build that unity, which is what's called singleness of heart here. It's what the first century church did. It's what we should still be doing today is use hospitality, get people into your home and build those relationships. The second way that we're going to look at is look for every opportunity to spend time with your brethren locally. Look for Bible studies, look for work opportunities, look for ways that you can just spend time with each other. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We should prefer to spend time with our brothers and sisters and build those relationships really more than anybody else. We should prefer that time. Be kindly affectionate with one another. So look for every opportunity that you have to spend time with your brothers and sisters in any capacity possible. And then the third way that we'll look at is if you really want to grow these relationships is to visit other congregations. We got to remember that the church is worldwide. It's not just this congregation. In fact, we have visitors here this morning from, I think, three different congregations. So there's four different congregations here represented right now, and it's all part of the kingdom of God. And those relationships that you can have in other congregations will change your life, and it can really help you. So if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5-8, through 8, this is Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and I want you to hear what he talks about. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, 
but also in every place your faith to, to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Paul is commending the church in Thessalonica and saying, you've taken, taken the gospel, you've applied it to your life, now you're being examples to these other regions. And he's commending them and telling them to keep it up, you're doing a great thing. These other regions like Macedonia and Achaia, they were seeing how these people in Thessalonica were living, and it was helping their faith to grow. In fact, just this last week, we got a call from a brother down in Florida. Never talked to the guy before, don't know anything about him, but he gave us a call, and he just wanted to encourage us and thank us for all the work that we're doing here. He's listened to the podcast. He's watched some different videos we have going on. He told us how much it's really encouraged him, how much it's really strengthened his faith. And I wanted to share that with you all to say that the work that's going on here in this congregation, the work that you're a part of, is helping people that we don't even know about. He's in Florida. We've heard from people all over the world in different countries that it's really helping. And what we can remember as Christians is these are real people. These are real people, real souls, and their lives are being changed. And we have an amazing opportunity to get out and go meet those people. Some of the best relationships that I have in the kingdom are from all over the world. They're from India, from Belize. They're from Oklahoma and Texas. We have some of my dearest friends that they live all over. And it's because you spend time going out and getting in these congregations and meeting them. There's gospel meeting opportunities. There's singing opportunities. Anytime you're traveling, just ask, where's the closest church that I could go to and go meet some new brothers and sisters? It's an amazing opportunity to really develop these relationships in your life. And I promise you'll be thankful you did. So those are three ways that you can really foster and grow these relationships. Hospitality, get involved locally, and get involved in other congregations and make sure you meet some of these people. When we all do this as Christians, when we all really get on the same page and realize this genuine need for each other, it produces the body and it produces the church that God intends for us. So the next little bit, I want to look at what does it actually produce. The first thing that it will produce is a place of belonging for each one of its members. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. When we look at this, we want to exhort one another. That means to pull each other in and to, to learn and help each other grow. It means to call near or to invite. When we're focused on these relationships, it continues to pull each other in and it helps us to realize like this is a place that we belong. And I would like to continue to encourage you that we hear it all the time from people who come and visit, whether they're in the church or not in the church, is they can instantly feel the love that we have in this congregation. And I want, to, want you to continue to make sure that that continues to happen and continues to grow. Is we can do that and it helps people have this place of belonging. The second thing that it does is it produces a bond. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 15, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. This charity, which is love, this love that we have, is the bond of perfectness or completeness. This is the bond that will, will hold us together. 
So it brings other people in and it keeps us here and it holds us together. It's a bond. You know, we got to realize that the world is never going to stop saying we belong to them. Whether it's different organizations, it's different things to be a part of. But really, the bond that we have is the bond we have in Christ and that we want to be a part of. The third thing that it produces is that it produces an appreciation and a true value for each one of our members. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Remember we talked about how the body is different members and different members have different roles and different talents. And when you truly realize that, when you think about each one of y'all are more important to the kingdom than I am. If everybody realized that, it shows an appreciation for all those talents that are being brought in. And it shows the value that each one of our members has. And it helps you as a Christian realize that you have value. And you have a place of belonging here. And you have other brothers and sisters that appreciate you and the talents that you bring to the table. The fourth thing that it does is it helps build a unity. And Jesus' prayer for us when he was here on earth was that we would all be unified. In John chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's us. In verse 21, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Jesus was praying for you and I today that we would be unified, that we would all be one, that we would have that singleness of heart, that we, we, we would be like-minded, and that we would all be unified. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now let's go down to verse 20, and it says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fit, fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." Jesus gives us this visual here that we can really think about, that the kingdom is a building and that we're all unified together. We all have the different roles and different talents. We're all put together and that Jesus is our chief cornerstone. We're built upon that foundation of the prophets and the apostles and that we're all pulled together. When we think about when you're all pulled together, you're all unified. One thing we really have to be careful of in this world is isolation. Different things are going to try to pull you away, whether it's your pride whether it's different things, whether it's charities or organizations or something that's going to try to pull you aside. And we have to be careful of isolation, that God wants us all to be unified. He wants us all to be gathered together. And we need to remember that if someone does start to kind of slip away or they start to try to pull back, is we need to go receive them. Remember, we need to go pull them back in and do what we take so we can all be that unified church as He wants us to be. The fifth thing that it produces is growth. It produces a spiritual growth and learning in each one of us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no, no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part. It makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself and love. These few verses here talks about how we grow up into Christ, that we, we submit to Him, we learn from Him, we have each other to help teach, to help nourish, and we're all growing together. So when we're working together and we're continually building these relationships, it produces this spiritual growth in all of us that we all need, that we're all getting stronger and stronger. And it produces a growth that the world will want to be a part of us. Other people will see the light that we have. John chapter 13, verse 34, this is Jesus talking here, and He says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love towards one another. This commandment that Jesus gave us is that we would show this love to each other, and the outside people in the world, they can see it. They can see that there's something different when true Christians have this relationship with each other and they show that love for each other. They see it and they want to be a part of it. And that's the sixth thing that this will produce is this place of love and it places a, of growth. So to recap that, it produces a place of belonging. It produces a bond and appreciation and value for each member. It produces unity, spiritual growth, and growth in number by inviting other people in. So this is the church that God wants us to have, and this is the value of the godly relationships that we do have in our life. And I would like to encourage you, and I'd like to thank you for the, the value that you bring to me and my family in our life, and I just encourage you to keep it up. Let's continue to grow those relationships. Let's continue to do whatever we can to foster those, to bring other people in, to help nourish, help love, help take care of each other so that we can all continue to grow and we can continue to be that light to the world that God has called us to be. We have a beautiful family that other people want to naturally be a part of. And let's go show it. Let's go show that family. And let's go invite them to, to share that blessing as well. If there's any of you who feel like you would like to grow the relationships in your life and maybe you need a little bit more help, then get with one of us. We can help you with that. We can invite you into our home. We can show you how to do it. We can have Bible studies with you. We can grow that relationship with you, and we want to. And if you need that in your life to help whatever you may be facing, then we can help you with that. Or maybe you haven't submitted your life to Christ in baptism yet. And maybe the value that you have is really limited because you're not fully a Christian. You haven't really followed Christ yet. And if you'd like to do that and wash away your sins, become that new man, leave the old person in the past, and become one just like the rest of us have decided to follow Christ, you can do that as well. All you have to do is let your request be made known. Come have a seat on this front pew while we stand and sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.